I want to begin by saying that, to acknowledge that today is a day of remembrance. And we remember uh, those who have uh, lost loved ones or those who have given their lives in conflict and war. Um, maybe for some of us, we think of specific people on this day that we know are parents, grandparents, relatives, friends who've been injured or have lost their lives. We remember Jesus' words, don't we, today about sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Today we remember the gospel, the good news that Jesus brought, that he himself laid down his life for us. And today we want to pray uh, for our world, pray for peace, pray for those involved in seeking peace, those involved in defending freedom uh, of, and, and justice for the oppressed. And we remember, lest we forget, we're told, uh, and we share the meal today, we're having communion later on, that's a meal of remembrance, and today we remember those who've fallen. And why don't we take a moment, just going to pray, we're going to have uh, two minutes uh, of remembrance of silence at 11 o'clock, and I'd love to encourage all of us here this morning to stay around for that if we're able uh, at 11. But I'd like to pray just now uh, for God as he speaks to us through his word, but also for those around the world today who've given their lives and for those who are bereaved and currently struggling. So, Father, we thank you that greater love is no one than this, than one who lays down his life for his friends. And we pray in this day that we wouldn't forget the sacrifice made for our benefit. Lord, I pray we'd also remember, Jesus, you came to bring peace, that you are the Prince of Peace. And in this world where there's trouble and violence and hatred, we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, speak to us this morning through your word. Help us to again embrace the challenge that James brings, that we might grow as we follow you. Amen. I think it's only fair this morning to begin with um, a confession. I am someone who struggles with patience. Is anyone else here with me? Two people. The rest of you are not telling the truth, I hope. I shouldn't really say that from the front, should I? I have, I have um, a number of things that I believe. Firstly, I believe that an amber light is the same color as a green light. I am an expert at finding the fastest queue in the supermarket. I have never, ever yet used a computer that I have considered too quick. I am the one in the back of the car who always asks, are we nearly there yet? But it's really difficult. Patience is one of those character traits uh, that is really difficult to develop, isn't it? I've had so many conversations with people jokingly say, if only I could be more patient, more patient with my husband or my wife, more patient with my children, more patient with my work colleagues. I wish I was able to wait uh, for a bus and not constantly check my phone or my watch to see when it will arrive. I wonder whether any of us relate to that struggle with patience. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, this is what she said about patience. I'm extraordinarily patient, providing I get my own way. Sir Alan Sugar, anyone a fan of The Apprentice here? Sir Alan Sugar, I think we'll just relate to this. I have no patience at all. That's all he had to say on the matter of patience. Fair enough. 
But, you know, when, we, when James talks about patience, he's not really thinking about being stuck in traffic or waiting on hold on the phone to sort your internet out or a long car journey with small children. Um, he's talking about other areas of life. You know, he's talking about Christians who have been praying for God to intervene in a situation but have not yet seen it happen. He's talking of, about Christians, two Christians who are longing for change, are hoping for something to be different that Jesus would return and establish his kingdom, that justice and peace would reign, not the violence of the Roman Empire. I wonder whether we can relate more to those areas of patience that we need. Maybe we're longing for God to provide in some way. I wonder if it's for a relationship to happen or to improve, for a child to be conceived and born, for help in getting out of debt. And maybe we're growing more and more impatient, struggling to hold on uh, in patient expectation. And James, again, in, his, in this passage, speaks really directly to us on the whole subject of patience and perseverance. In verse 7, be patient then, brothers and sisters. So what is this patience that James is talking about? Well, I found this definition, and I thought this was really helpful in the context of what James says. That patience is a rugged determination not to give up our faith in God or to fall out of the race that we're running. That patience is a rugged determination not to give up our faith in God or to fall out of the race that we are running. Patience is that key Christian virtue. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I think almost every New Testament writer encourages in some way followers of Jesus to grow in patience. James is speaking to Christians who are longing for Jesus to come and free them from persecution and trial. That they wouldn't be the ones who were trodden on. That they wouldn't be the minority. He's speaking to Christians who are close to giving up. He's speaking to Christians who are falling out with one another under pressure. He's speaking to Christians who are struggling to have patience or to persevere in the circumstances of life. He's speaking to Christians just like you and me. And James gives us three ways that we can practice patience and perseverance. He was speaking to that context then, but it's so applicable to us today in busy West London life where patience is definitely not a virtue, it seems. But I think it's something that James would encourage us to do. And the first thing that James would say to us, if we're going to be patient, is to keep our faith. Um, in verse, uh, verse 7, James gives a, a little picture of a, a farmer. He says this, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. And a little later on, the end of verse 11, The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The first thing James is wanting us to do is to keep our faith by remembering and continually focusing on who God is. Begin with him. Begin with our Heavenly Father. Especially, James highlights his compassion, his mercy, and his faithfulness towards us. So why is it so important that we start there? Why is it important that we focus on who God is, on his character? Well, it's because as we realize that God is for us and that he's with us, he's for us in that he's compassionate and full of mercy. So when we mess up and when we make mistakes, when we're impatient, when we give up, God is compassionate and merciful. He doesn't abandon us or give up on us. But also that God is faithful. This is the farmer is waiting for the field to grow. And he has no control over that field. He has no control over when the rains come. Isn't it frustrating when we have no control over the things that we're trying to solve, over the problems that we face? Do you find that frustrating? 
we're reminded of the faithfulness of God. Just as the rains come with regularity in the autumn and the spring, as James says, the rains will come. The farmer will just have to wait and trust that his crops will grow. When we focus on who God is, when we make him bigger in our lives, when we we remember his compassion and his mercy, that he's not disappointed with us, that he doesn't just see us as an irritation, but that we're welcomed to come to him, that helps us to keep our faith. I wonder if any of us have ever despaired of ourselves and wondered when maybe God despairs of me too. James is very clear to say, no, the Lord is compassionate and full of mercy. He is faithful. He does not give up on his people. So we focus on who he is and we also focus on what God has done. Again, the spring rains, the reminder that God is constantly at work, constantly doing things. And that's one of the reasons why so often in our services, in our life groups, in our meetings and gatherings together, we want to hear the stories of what God is doing in our lives. And I wonder if sometimes we despise the small stories. We think, well, the little ones, the little kind of examples of God's faithfulness or God's blessing, you know, they're not really the stories we should tell. We should just tell the big ones or the really dramatic things. And I want to say no. No, it's, it's as we see God work in the small things. It's as we see God work in our workplace or in our everyday life or in our struggles with our family or whatever it might be. That's the story of God at work. And it reminds us to keep our faith. It reminds us to keep going. Our simple stories of God's kindness, goodness and faithfulness in everyday life encourage one another to keep trusting God and not giving up. And I want to encourage us as a church family, let's keep telling the stories of God at work to one another wherever it may be, on a Sunday morning, in a life group, around a coffee shop, whatever it is, let's keep telling the stories of God's faithfulness. Let's share them on Facebook. Let's tweet them. Let's do whatever it might be we do with them to communicate how God is at work. Because, friends, our stories are real and they encourage others. James says, first of all, keep our faith. And how do we do that? Well, faith is actively putting our trust in God. It's not just about something we think. It's about something we do. For James, faith always has to be action. So James says here to stand firm in our faith. Uh, In verse 8, be patient and stand firm. Um, That can actually be translated as establish your heart. I think it's about making a choice. It's choosing not to abandon our faith in the hard times. It's choosing to keep on doing the things that God wants us to do, even when the evidence around us seems to be uh, to the contrary. I think it means keeping active in the Christian faith. It means keeping active in in doing what we've always done, in keeping on praying, even when we haven't seen an obvious answer. That's faith. Jesus told so many stories about prayer, and one of them was about the, um, the persistent widow who just kept on asking, kept on praying, kept on badgering the judge for justice. And Jesus said at the end, he said, well, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I think, well, Jesus, you're talking about prayer, not about faith. But for Jesus, that faith is seen in persistent prayer, a willingness to keep praying, keep bringing to God the thing that we need, the thing we're longing for, the person we're praying for. That's a sign of faith. Keep on praying and don't give up. Keeping on reading the Bible, even though it seems difficult or dry. Keeping on turning up and engaging with others. It's so easy, isn't it, when we're just struggling, we just withdraw. We withdraw and we go, actually, you know, I just don't want to come this morning. I don't want to turn up to my life. I don't want to be with other people. Just let me have some space, have some time on my own. Of course, we need space. We need time. We need time with the Lord. But actually engaging with others, being real about our struggles, that's how we're able to keep our faith and to keep patience. 
joining life groups, prayer groups, serving in ministry, keeping active even though we don't necessarily see all the results we'd love to see. The second thing is, is cultivating humility. It's just remembering that God's ways aren't our ways. And actually that God does have a different timescale so often to our own rushed timescale. I was thinking about this this week and, and I don't know if any of you have ever been to Sainsbury's and seen those one minute microwave burgers. Has anyone ever had one? Richard Thomas has had one of those. <laughs> just, just to notice no one else has. That's all I'm saying. They're nice. I don't even think there's beef in them, but let's not go there. <laughs> so you've got the one-minute microwave burger. On the other side of the meat aisle, I mean, that shouldn't be in the meat aisle, but on the other side of the meat aisle, you've got 28-day aged Angus Aberdeen fillet steak. Try telling me that good things don't come to those who wait. You know, the one-minute... Richard disagrees. Richard would choose the one-minute burger over the 28-day... Ag- Rich, it's going to be so great to have you and Julie around for supper next time and see. But you know, it's actually the, it's the process that God is at work over time. It's not the instant thing. We live in an instant society and we want instant results right now. Yesterday was too slow. And actually God works over time. I'm always reminded of um, a famous Christian here, a leader called D.L. Moody, who prayed for 110 non-Christian friends throughout his life to come to faith in Christ. And by the time he died at his funeral, 98 of them had come to faith. And at his funeral, someone preached a message and the other four or however many it was gave their lives to Jesus. It takes a lifetime, friends, sometimes to see God respond. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up at your faith. God is working in us and through us and he does things slowly. And often it does, that happens especially when it comes to our character. So the second thing I want to say is, the first one is keep your faith. The second is keep your cool. In verse 9, James just suddenly says, don't grumble and complain, brothers. Don't judge one another. Why would he be talking about that in the midst of patience? Well, how many of us, when we're impatient, treat others with total respect, love, and grace? Not always. Because in those times when we're struggling, actually our character is revealed. The stuff in our lives that we love to hide away comes flooding out. And that's terribly frustrating, isn't it? James wants us to keep our cool. He wants us to speak well of others, even when we're under pressure. God wants to work on our character. God absolutely cares more about who we are becoming than what we are doing. He cares more about who we're becoming than what we are doing. So we might find character issues bumping out of us when we're struggling with patience. We might find that crosswords or a particular irritation towards a person or situation coming out. We might find ourselves speaking harshly. And we might feel a bit fed up and frustrated with ourselves in that way. But God is wanting to work on our characters. God is so committed that we would become more like Jesus. And in those moments, yes, we need to confess. We need to, we need to repent sometimes and turn away from attitudes and, and, and uh, behaviors that are wrong. But it also, we're just saying, God, we don't despair. We ask God to work on those parts of our character. And God, remember, is compassionate and full of mercy. And he's faithful. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, The one who's called you is faithful, and he will do it. He is the one who transforms us, body, mind, and spirit. So we need to keep our cool. We need to allow God to work on our character in times of patience, not despair or give up on ourselves or on him. 
And the third thing is this, is James wants us to keep on going. Perseverance. You know, patience at times has to become perseverance. I think there's a difference. I think patience is a long-term Uh, waiting for God to do something, waiting for God to act. Perseverance, I think, comes when we actually have to dig in and hold fast. When things, when the heat is turned up, when the pressure comes, when difficulties arise. James is speaking to some people who are under tremendous pressure. I wonder if we're in that place today. Maybe we're in a place of pressure where perseverance rather than patience is what we need. We're struggling to hang on where tomorrow fills us with worry and anxiety. James speaks so clearly to each of us. Let me just read verses 10 and 11. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So uh, James gives us two examples of people that we're to emulate who showed perseverance under pressure, who kept on going. The first of the prophets. James is talking about the heroes of the faith. Jeremiah and Isaiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, Hosea and Amos. The prophets who faithfully proclaimed the word of the Lord in the midst of tremendous opposition. They continued to do what God had called them to do. They continued to say what God had told them to say, regardless of the response and the cost to them. They're commended for perseverance under pressure. And we are called to imitate them. To do what God has called us to do, and to say what God has given us to say, regardless of the cost, the response, or the results. That's faithfully sharing our faith in Jesus with others, regardless of the opposition. It doesn't mean being insensitive. It just means being committed to bringing good news to all those we're with, to living out that life of faith, regardless of what that means for us. It means refusing to compromise our integrity in any way at all. It means sticking at our marriage and our relationships through conflict and difficulty and not giving up, even though the pressure is on. It means continuing to battle hard and fight injustice in our world wherever we find it. It means speaking out for what is right, defending the weak and the orphan and the widow, being a voice to the voiceless. We're to imitate the heroes of old, the prophets who spoke the word of the Lord. Secondly, we're to imitate Job. I love Job. He's one of my heroes. Job never gave up and saw God intervene in his life. And the thing about Job, if you've ever read the book of Job, and if you haven't, I just let me, let me encourage you to do it. Uh, it probably takes three or four hours to read uh, in the middle of the Bible. It just has the most honest dialogue with God I've ever read. Job was honest about his struggle, but he never cursed God. Uh, his wife told him to. His wife, had, and they'd suffered such terrible loss. She said to Job, just curse God and die. What's the point in being alive? And Job refused to give up in the face of overwhelming suffering. I think if we're honest, complaining to others or just wallowing in in our own kind of struggles and pain at times won't bring us to a place of being patient and persevering. It doesn't bring what we hope it will bring. But I do believe absolutely crying out in honest anguish and pain at times to God will. Lamenting, weeping, casting our trouble on him brings us to the place where we're able to persevere. 
Each day I read a psalm. That's one of my kind of holy habits, if you like. I read a psalm each morning. And and the psalms give us a language of prayer. They enable us sometimes to articulate how we're feeling, even when we haven't got the words. That might be in praise and worship. It might be in frustration and anger. There's a psalm for every emotion, I think. Sometimes I need to find a place where I can really pour pour out my heart to God. Job did that. Job was honest with God. He just wanted to face God and talk to him. He wanted God to tell him what he'd done. And, And we know in the book of Job that actually God never answers Job's questions, but he meets with Job and he restores him. And sometimes God doesn't answer our questions. That's the reality of it. But actually, we're in a place where we're able to pour out our heart to him in absolute honesty and heartfelt um, kind of sadness at times. That's what will help us to persevere. If we bottle it up and never talk to God, we're going to find it hard to persevere. Friends, I want to encourage us. If we need today just to pour out our hearts to God, can I encourage us to do that? Can I encourage us to be open to what he's saying? And Job saw saw God come through for him in the end. If he'd given up and listened to his friends or his wife, he'd have given up and perhaps forfeited the blessing that God poured out on him. I think to persevere can often mean that we say, I quit, but we keep going. I think that's what perseverance is. It's wanting to give up, but refusing to do it. And if we're at the end of our rope today, if we're close to the end, keep going, James would say. Don't give up. Keep going. And to finish, Jesus is the ultimate example of perseverance. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus was honest in his prayers at Gethsemane. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. That's honesty in prayer. Jesus had faith on the cross. He had faith on the cross. Father, I give into your hands all these people. It is finished. He kept his cool on the cross when he was insulted, when he was beaten and battered he didn't lose his cool we were all understood almost if he had and Jesus did what he was called to do he led people into the kingdom with his final breath Jesus knew perseverance friends he has persevered for us that we might run the race and finish well in the face of persecution and apparent disappointment Jesus kept his perspective Jesus did it because of the joy set before him and the joy set before him is you and I and our lives transformed And God is patiently waiting for us to turn to him. He's not in a rush. We see God described as the father waiting for the prodigal to return. We see God uh, waiting for us to grow and respond to him. We see God inviting each one of us to come to him, to cast our cares on him, to experience his compassion, his mercy and faithfulness. Are we finding it hard to be patient this morning? Are we in a time and a place where we just need to persevere? Do we need reminding of who God is, of his compassion, his mercy, and his faithfulness? I wonder if we're really aware of areas of our character that we need to work on. Or maybe we just need strength for today and hope for tomorrow. The Spirit comes to grow the likeness of Jesus in us, to lead us to Jesus, and to help us to stand firm for Jesus in everyday life.